This is Anatomy of Violence, a podcast brought to you by the Center on Violence Against Women and Children at Rutgers University, where we talk about violence and victimization on college and university campuses. We're able to bring you these episodes through funding awarded by the New Jersey Attorney General's Office. My name is Jamie Kinn, and today I'm going to talk about what technology-based abuse is and what it might look like for university students. So what is technology-based abuse? Dr. Erica Fissel from the University of Central Florida explains what the term might include. There are many terms and definitions that researchers and practitioners use to talk about this type of abuse. So there's technology-facilitated abuse, technology-dependent abuse, cyber abuse, cyber victimization, online abuse, digital abuse, the list goes on and on. But broadly speaking, this type of abuse refers to abusive acts that occur through communication technologies, which are really simply products that transmit or receive communication electronically. So this could include things like cell phones, either text messaging, phone calls, digital apps, uh, could be social media, online video games, GPS monitoring systems, Basically, any way that two people can communicate with one another that's not face-to-face. Now, technology-facilitated abuse, that term tends to be an umbrella term in which many specific forms of abuse fall under. So you could have cyber-stalking, intimate partner cyber-abuse, cyber-bullying, cyber-harassment, doxing, all types of stuff. But they all share that commonality of needing technology of some sort to occur. They also, though, have very unique characteristics that make them different. So, for example, cyber stalking requires repeated pursuit behavior that causes fear or a substantial emotional response. So that's what's really unique about that type of crime. For the purposes of abuse that occurs through technologies between intimate partners, my colleagues and I term this intimate partner cyber abuse, and we define it as the use of communication technologies to attempt, threaten, or complete physical, sexual, or psychological harm against an intimate partner, or to monitor, coerce, or control an intimate partner's behavior. So that can be really broad. It includes a wide range of things, such as repeatedly sending threatening messages, or tracking via GPS, even controlling someone's finances, causing someone or forcing someone to delete other users on social media, a ton of different behaviors can fall under intimate partner cyber abuse. I also spoke to Dr. Walter DeCesaretti at the University of West Virginia, and he mentions other key types of technology-based abuse. There's so, so much out there. It's, it's, it's hard to you know, condense it all, but I, I would say the most common is, is image-based sexual abuse. This is where, you know, people uh, disseminate images um, generally of uh, naked pictures without the person's consent. Uh, it's often referred to as revenge porn, which is, which is seen by most leading experts in the field now as um, really problematic because, um, of course, many people who do engage in image-based sexual abuse, they do so because they are angry that their partners have left them. Uh, But there are other motives for doing it. Some people do it just simply to degrade someone they don't like. They may try to extort someone. Uh, They may do it for a joke, you know, and uh, this is actually quite common among College students, um, image-based sexual abuse is very common and, and also common among 
high school students too. So it's generally, it, it exists on a continuum. Um, and the continuum consists of not only images sent out as a punishment for women exiting relationships, but also the non-consensual taking of pictures in public and private places, sexualized photoshopping, um, coercing people into creating and sharing private sexual images, and so on. There are many types of actions that can fall under the umbrella of technology-facilitated abuse. Dr. Fissel gives us details on what technology-facilitated abuse behaviors might look like for college students. Research overwhelmingly finds that young adults, so these college-aged individuals, are at highest risk of experiencing many forms of technology-facilitated abuse, particularly between intimate partners. And one reason for this is simply exposure and use of technological devices. Because we use technology in most parts of our lives, technology-facilitated abuse has also become a normal part of the college experience. Dr. Fissel explains how this type of abuse, Dr. Fissel explains how this type of abuse has become normalized. We know that technology is a huge part of college students' lives, but we also know that dating or forming those intimate partner relationships are an integral part of most college students' experiences. What is really problematic, though, is that many of these behaviors have become normalized and that young people don't even realize that what they're experiencing is abusive. For example, we know that on something like Snapchat, you can share your location and that can be really dangerous because people can obviously track you via your location, even down to the exact house that you're at. And some people turn it on for, you know, maybe they want to show people where they're going on a night out, but then they forget to turn it off. And that is, it's just not something that they think about because it's so commonly part of college students' lives to do that. So that's where it becomes really problematic. Dr. DeCessoretti also talks about how students don't see potentially abusive behaviors as problematic. And I, I really wonder, you know, sometimes I joke with my students when they tell me they get di dick pics. And I said, why would someone send you a dick pic? And they, well, it's their way of trying to get my attention. Or, And I said, well, in my day, if I was attracted to someone, I'd ask them out for a coffee. <laughs> and... So the ways of communication are much different now. It can be difficult to understand if something might be considered technology-facilitated abuse because each person has a different understanding of what is healthy for themselves. Dr. Fissel explains this further. Yeah, and when you think about comparing it to what their friends are doing, right? So one, they might have a friend couple who have been together for five years and they share all their passwords and they live together and all of that, but you've dated someone for two months and they want you to share their password, but you're like, oh, well, well, okay, because my my friends do that. But that does just because someone else or another couple that's healthy for them doesn't mean it's healthy for you and your relationships. Even if someone does feel unsafe because their partner is monitoring their location or maybe texting them too much, it can be difficult to report to law enforcement for several reasons. Dr. Fissel tells us a little bit about this. Yeah, I think one of, well, not I think, I know one of the reasons that people also don't report is because they don't believe law enforcement will do anything or can do anything. A lot of behaviors that fall under intimate partner cyber abuse are not illegal. 
there are no laws against it. So just because something's abusive doesn't necessarily mean it's illegal, which then becomes really problematic because where do these individuals go? How do they get help? Who can help them because they can't get a restraining order because it's not illegal to send someone a text message or it's not illegal to like their Facebook post. But what needs to be looked at is that broader picture of intimate partner abuse and violence. And okay, if they're doing this, it's probably because it's coupled with something else. So I know that there's an example of someone repeatedly gets sent a picture of a rose every single day and they find that terrifying and abusive because in that relationship's history it was related to a physical beating right so for that person getting a picture of a rose every day is a threat for someone else that might be oh wow it's lovely my significant other is sending me a lovely picture this morning and that gets really, really complicated for law enforcement because they don't know how to differentiate between the two. There are possible consequences for victims of technology-facilitated abuse that need to be considered, even if they aren't able to report their experience to law enforcement. Dr. Fissel explains a little bit about why this is important to acknowledge. We were looking at the consequences people experience as a result of intimate partner cyber abuse or those behaviors. And we found that people who indicated they experienced it with permission were still experiencing consequences. So they were still suffering from mental health consequences, physical health, social work, employment consequences. So we're we're still trying to figure out that because we don't think the with or without permission is that differentiating piece anymore. You could be coerced into giving permission, right? So give me permission to access your online accounts or I'm going to lock you outside or beat you or whatever it might be. That's really important to be able to differentiate when is it abusive, when's it illegal, when's it not. So maybe laws can be established that we can give more assistance to survivors than they are currently getting. Although someone's actions might not be illegal, it is important to take technology-facilitated abuse seriously because it can lead to abuse that occurs offline. Dr. Fissel explains why it's crucial for us to take this seriously. Unfortunately, we hear quite frequently that there are situations of online abuse that escalate to offline violence and to the point of homicide. That does happen more frequently than it should. So people who have this mentality that, oh, it only stays online, it's not harmful, it's just not true that it merges into the physical world. But even beyond that, there are those health consequences. There are mental and physical health consequences. People drop out of school because of this. People quit their jobs or lose their jobs because of these types of behaviors. And it's just this need that we need to be able to say, hey, this is a serious experience. Your your feelings and your reactions are valid. And college students, like you mentioned, are at this it's a weird age, right? You're learning about who you are. It might be your first time away from home. You might not have support 
especially if it's, you know, your first year, your first semester there and you don't have friends. So we need a more general understanding by society so that we can really help these individuals because their futures really are at stake because of what they're experiencing. Dr. DeCasferetti explains that someone experiencing online abuse can also be experiencing offline abuse as well. We cannot look at technology-facilitated abuse and violence on its own. There's the co-occurrence of offline and online victimization. And we have research showing that many women who experience technology-facilitated violence are experiencing stalking, rape, and other types of sexual assault, and physical violence. So they go, they're, they're coming together. And this is something that we need to think about in terms of policy and prevention. And now many of us are, are using the term poly-victimization, and this refers to experiencing multiple types of abuse of different kinds. Women who are uh, harmed by technology-facilitated violence are also harmed, much more likely to be harmed by physical forms. So this is something to consider. In my conversation with Dr. Fissel, we talked about services that specifically serve victims of technology-facilitated abuse, and she explained what might be missing. Typically, what I see is it's housed under the general intimate partner violence concept. The biggest difference is going to be, depending on what type of tech-related behaviors that are occurring. So if someone is experiencing their partner or ex-partner hacking into their accounts or um, tracking them via spyware or a rans- sending them ransomware, things like that, you're, they're, these survivors are going to need more tech-related assistance. So how do you lock down your browsers? How do you have safe passwords, safe and secure passwords? How do you remove access for other users, for example? Like your Netflix account, you can share that. So how do you get rid of that kind of access to different accounts? That's going to be the biggest difference is that reliance on finding ways to be safer in cyberspace. I personally have not seen any real evaluation of services that are out there that are specific to technology facilitated abuse. But in my opinion, I think we just need broader education for everybody. I mean, like I mentioned, my students, they're horrified because they think that there are these perpetrators and then There's also on the other side, people who are like, wow, I experienced that and I had no idea I was in a toxic situation. So education that individuals know what they can can and should do in a relationship. And also if they're experiencing something, well, maybe this is not okay. Maybe I should get myself out of this or seek help in in some way. It's possible for students experiencing this type of abuse to get help. And it is especially important to remember to utilize the security expertise of our campus technology information centers. If you're a student at Rutgers University and you think you may be experiencing technology-facilitated abuse, you can contact Violence Prevention and Victim Assistance at 848 932 1181. You can also report cyberbullying or cyber-based abuse to abuse 
at rutgers.edu. And if you need help keeping yourself safe online, please reach out to Rutgers Information Security Office. Their website is it.rutgers.edu. And they have contact information on their website for each of our campuses. Thanks for tuning in to the Anatomy of Violence. If you would like to reach out or learn more about our work, send us an email at vawc at ssw.rutgers.edu.